You are listening to the Soar Above Cancer podcast, episode 129, The Magic of Storytelling, our chat with Ashley. With your hosts, Gabrielle and Alex, hello fellow cancer thrivers, welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding the strength to not only survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. So today we are starting off our new series uh, and we're trying to see how we can bring forward all these wonderful stories of other cancer thrivers out there. So uh, we're really going to take this as a conversation. We're just going to have a chat with Ashley. Uh, Alex and I are very excited to do so, so we can just jump right in. So Ashley, do you want to start by sharing a bit about what your experience with cancer has been like? Sure. Um, of course, like many others, I'm sure it was very unexpected, uh, you know, being the age that I was, I just moved to Inuvik in the Northwest Territories about four months before I was diagnosed. So I had moved to Inuvik to, um, I guess, save for the life that I had dreamed of, uh, and to have a little bit of an adventure. Um, so four months in, it was September uh, I woke up and I felt something felt different. Like my eye felt um, almost heavy, blurry. I couldn't see perfectly out of it, but I figured as the day went on, it would it would kind of go away. Uh, went to work and I worked at the time as a dental hygienist, and I was like, okay, I'm thinking I probably should take my hands out of this person's mouth because I can't really see it very well. Uh, and I said to my, I said to the office manager, I'm like, I think I should go to the hospital. You know, I'm having trouble seeing. So I went to the hospital and of course, I don't know. Um, yeah, I just wrote my blog for yak on, uh, self-activism. Uh, and it was, uh, it was a tough time getting a diagnosis because, you know, you have this seemingly healthy young adult coming in. And, uh, and complaining of, of a vision problem, but it could have been a number of things. It could have been dry eye, uh, could have been that I was tired or, you know, a, a number of things. So, um, you know, after pushing and pushing and pushing for a diagnosis, uh, I did get it. Uh, I had to travel, of course, we don't have any specialists up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some general practitioners working out of the emergency room. Um, and I did, you know, I guess, push quite a bit to be able to be seen uh, in the south, as we say up here in the north, um, to Edmonton, where I, I landed in the uh, ever-capable hands of a lovely ocular oncologist, and I had no idea that they existed, yeah. who diagnosed me with ocular melanoma. Um, the tricky part was that I'm from the east coast of Canada, being diagnosed on the other side of the country. It's a bit of a shock to my family. You know, we, we were trying to figure out logistically how we were going to be together for my treatment. Um, so, you know, it wasn't very, it was quite expensive for me to even be flying down for all of my appointments. Yeah. Um, none of that was really covered until, you know, later on in my diagnosis or through my treatment. So um, my sister started a GoFundMe account. We were all able to, after, uh, after the fundraising, we were able to have my mom and my sister, my aunt, who's a nurse, um, and my husband, we were all able to be in this lovely little comfortable condo in Edmonton while I went through my brachytherapy radiation, um, which was, you know, looking back, it was very, very tough. Um, but 
it's almost like a, it's a very, very distant memory now. And yeah. so I can only really think of the, uh, the positive side of that, which was I was with my family. I got to watch all kinds of TV. Uh, everyone was spoiling me with my favorite food. Um, but now I guess the difficult part is I'm, I'm still living in the north. And I, um, I have to travel every three months to my uh, oncologist who's in Edmonton or Calgary, um, depending on where schedule is. And uh, so, you know, it's something that I think being isolated is, is tough. I don't think about it as much as I used to, but every three months when I have to get on that plane and, you know, fly six hours south to see him uh, kind of all comes rushing back. But uh, so far, you know, I've had a very positive prognosis and, uh, you know, fairly routine at this point. Wow. Yeah, I mean, your your experience is so different from like a lot of people's in so many different ways. I mean, like you talk about this, the fact that it's such a rare cancer. What was the actual diagnosis, like that process? You said it was like kind of tough to get that diagnosis. What was that process like? And like talk more about that self-activism piece because that's something. We yeah. Know. But, yeah sure so uh the first the first day I walked in and had my symptoms I was greeted by a physician who um who I would call you know more of a friend at this point yeah. uh she's like look Ash I maybe it's dry eye have you been stressed out have you been sleeping okay and I was like you know not really Just started a new job new place very yeah. different uh so I thought you know we'll go home think about it and I'll you know I'll wake up in the morning and, and see how it is tomorrow well, the next morning I woke up and I'm like, darn, it's not better. Oh, it's scary. Like, do I have diabetes? Do I have, you know, is there another issue going on? Yeah. So of course I was, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe it's diabetes. I wasn't thinking about cancer. So I go into, um, to the hospital again. And the physician I saw this time, uh, had told me that maybe this wasn't an emergency that I probably should have waited and called to see if I could have gotten into the regular clinic. And at that point, I had a bit of a meltdown because I thought, you know, we don't have, we don't have the specialists here. You're really my only hope in getting out of here to see one. Okay. Um, what can you do for me? And I just, you know, I just don't think that, that she would have thought, okay, young woman presenting with these symptoms is cancer. I think it's one in 100 million or wow. one in one, one in 6 million. I can't remember the statistic now. Uh, but it is a very, very rare cancer. So no it's not like right off the bat, she would have thought, oh, she's mm -hmm. got, you know, yeah. this 12 yeah. millimeter, you know, ocular melanoma hanging out in her eye. So, uh, you know, I can't, I can't really blame her, but I did push. Yeah. So, you know, I went back again. I made a phone call. I actually called my, my office manager and said, you know, I'm so upset. I'm not going to be at work because I can't really see. And she said, well, we have to coordinate our travel schedules, our dental and, and um, you know, optometry visits in the, in the Northern community. So yeah. I have the direct contact to the manager here at the, the eye clinic in Yellowknife. Right. And I'm like, please give me her number. <sighs> so I called her and I explained my situation and said that nobody here in Inuvik is taking this seriously, but I really need to be seen by somebody. Yeah. And at the time I had moved up here and, and, you know, we had some student loans we had to pay off and I didn't have $1,500 to fly myself down for something that might not have been a big deal. No kidding. Um, so they, uh, she actually mentioned that there was a fellow from the I team coming up uh, and, and he would be an ophthalmic technician, I believe is what his title would be. So mm. he kind of takes a look. If he sees anything awry, he'll send you to the uh, ophthalmologist in Yellowknife. 
So he squeezed me in. I want to say it was the week after. He squeezed me in and took one look in my eye and was like, we're getting you to Yellowknife tomorrow. You've got a mass in your eye. And yeah. that was kind of how it all started. So it was uh -huh. probably about a week for me to get out of here to be seen by a guy in Yellowknife. And he looked at it and said, yes, it's a mass, but I can't diagnose it. I don't know what it is. You know, there are a lot of benign masses of the eye, but there's mm -hmm. also a few malignant ones. Yeah. Um, so from there, I was flown to Edmonton probably a week after that, saw a retina specialist. And uh, my mom actually flew up from Nova Scotia to be with me for that one. And we were joking and laughing and thinking, you know, you might have to have it lasered, whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe it's a mole and a freckle in your eye. So uh, I walked out of the the retina specialist clinic and uh, said, I looked at my mom and I said, he's sending me to a tumor guy. And that's how he put it. He goes, I'm going to send you to the tumor guy. <laughs> and that's kind of when uh, <laughs> part of my French were like, shit got real. Then. Yeah. It hits the fan for sure. Yeah. So I uh, then got, get, you know, got sent to the tumor guy who really didn't think that it was cancer. He said, you know, I'm pretty confident that this isn't cancer. It's not really behaving like a melanoma. Uh, so he sent me home and I remember telling all my friends, we had a wine and cheese event in Anuvik. And I was like, guys, it's not cancer. We don't know what it is, but it's not cancer. It's great. And, uh, you know, but he's like, we have to try to figure out what it is, obviously. So I'm going to consult with some of my colleagues in the States and see. So after, you know, flying back and forth, I want to say it was two more times the behavior of the tumor changed yeah. and it became very obvious that it was, it was cancer. And I received the phone call, I think it was the 27th of December, 2017. Mm -hmm. So it was a couple of days after Christmas. Uh, I just spent Christmas in Inuvik because we just moved there. Uh, and I remember I was laying in bed and I saw the, I think it was a 780 number. And I said, okay, this is either good or bad news. Yeah. And I was by myself in bed and I picked it up and she said, uh, it was his receptionist. And she said, Ashley, um, it is ocular melanoma. And then it all went blurry. And I remember getting email with all of my treatment and, and the schedule. Wow. Uh, wow. Like right and, away. Right. Oh yeah. Instantly. Like, here you go. <laughs> it was in my inbox. Oh, yeah. Man. And I was like, okay, now I have to wait a month with this tumor trying to kill me in my eyeball so how am I going to get through this next month <laughs> and how did you get through the next month yeah, um, well I talked to lots of friends uh who I don't think quite understood obviously didn't understand what I was going yeah, through but yeah. they tried their best uh but I was reaching out to whoever I could reach out to and I can remember laying in bed face you know looking through different Facebook groups and I found ocular melanoma support and in order to get into this group, you kind of have to answer things. And I just remember typing in, I was, I was so frantic. I was like, I'm young. I don't understand this. I just need someone to talk to. And, yeah. you know, immediately I had about 10 private messages coming through being like, hey, I'm in my late 20s uh, and I was diagnosed oh, wow. with this. And I had plaque recce therapy, you know, a year ago. I can tell you, you know, about the, the brighter side of things and, and what, you know, what comes afterwards. So mm -hmm. I've now got three young women all about my age, actually, who have been through the same treatment as me. Um, so they're trying to figure out now why exactly young women are ending up with this cancer. Yeah. Tends to be, you know, a lot of men and women in their 60s. So they're working really hard to see if maybe it's UV light exposure, um, genetic, a genetic uh, deformity of sorts. So I've had some genetic testing. I'm just waiting on those results. Um, yeah. But mm -hmm. yeah, so... 
they, uh, I've, I've got a girl in Florida I speak to, another one in um, Guelph, Kitchener area, and another one in Edmonton who has my specialist, so we can really relate. Nice. Yeah. That's so different from a lot of people. I find that just listening to different stories and people that we've had on, it's this whole thought of like, it's, you actually were really lucky and it's interesting with this sort of rare cancer to be able to find people similar age and like who had this diagnosis. A lot of people, including myself, I know like acute lymphoblastic leukemia is so much of like a child's sort of disease. Like yeah. I, I met someone who I was really close with at work a little while back who had it when he was two. And I was like, well, I can't really relate because you don't necessarily like know a whole lot of what would have gone on at that time frame. So it's yeah. interesting to hear that, like, you know, you had that support, even though it was a smaller group of women, but within similar time frame, similar demographic. That's kind of a cool, cool mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm curious. Yeah. So I went through most of my treatments in uh, not as a rural town, but a rural town uh, as well, farther away from any of the the major city supports that are offered. So how did your community kind of pull through for you in all of this? Oh, it was so cool. Um, I remember being in Edmonton, uh, so I had my treatment at the Cross Cancer Clinic, and then I then had to come... uh, so basically they insert it, they sew it to your eyeball and then it sounds pleasant. Uh, and then you yeah. go home for five days and wait it out and then they surgically remove it again. So we, you know, we're in this condo and my mom is like, Hey, serious conversation. After this is said and done, move the heck home. Yeah. And I remember saying, you know what? I don't think I can do that because all of the love and support I got, not only through the GoFundMe account, but I had people watching my dogs for up to a month while mm. we were in Edmonton. That's awesome. Um, you know, the fire department made a donation. I came home to a full refrigerator of food, people checking in all the time, complete strangers who, you know, lived in town, but I never got to know, uh, you know, were reaching out. So I said, there's no way I can move home. And you right now is feeling is feeling like home. Mm -hmm. So in fact, uh, as soon as I finished my treatment and I was given the go ahead to to go back home, I uh, looked at my mom and I said, I'm not really ready to be apart from you yet. How about you come to Anubik with me for another week or two? Yeah. (laughs) So she got to see Anubik for the first time when, uh, you know, not in the greatest circumstances, but uh, it was, it was really nice to show her around Anubik and she was able to make me some nice food and drive me around to see some people and go visiting and yeah see what life is like up here nice. it's yeah. very different are you still like friends or are you still close with a lot of the people that were able to help out and pull together throughout that time frame oh yeah so um i still speak to yeah those three ladies yeah. um one of them was having her treatment the week after me so we were facetiming she was in florida and i was able to uh you know message with her and explain to her what I was going through and what yeah. I was feeling. And, you know, this is super scratchy and annoying. It feels like I have 10,000 eyelashes in my eyeball, but you know, you get through it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the other, you know, the other ladies were, were kind of telling me, you know, you're not going to think about cancer in, in a year, just, you know, picture yourself somewhere else. So all I could do is just picture normal life a year from now. I know they always say to, you know, live in the moment as best you can. For me, I was very much living for the future uh, and just, you know, envisioning what my future was going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And that, 
well, we know a bit about that feature. Um, yeah. when we met all three of us actually. Yeah. Um, but what does that future look like now? Cause it's now kind of the reality, reality of things. Yeah. You know, I remember, uh, when I was, so unfortunately I had had this beautiful cruise booked. Uh, I think we were, we were leaving like January 13th. And, um, I remember my mom asking me my oncologist, she said, uh, so can we still go on the cruise and then Ashley will have her treatment after? And he's like, uh, absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. But I don't think we weren't really registering the seriousness of the situation. Right. Mm. And yeah. I don't think a mother ever expects to have to go through this with her child. Um, so she canceled it and I was heartbroken because I was living in the Arctic. All I wanted was some sun, yeah, yeah. Um, which may have caused this darn cancer to begin with. <laughs> um, I still love the sun. Uh, so I remember just, you know, laying in the hospital bed before they wheeled me off to do this radiation treatment and thinking, okay, three months from now, we've rescheduled this cruise. And I was just thinking about the cruise and thinking about how nice it was going to be to be through the pain of the radiation um, and, you know, blasting the cancer with all of this, you know, radioactivity. And it was going to feel really, really good. And then I thought, okay, after that, what do I want to do for work? Like, what do I want to live every day doing? Yeah. Uh, so I kept an eye out on some new jobs. It's not that I didn't like what I was doing before. It's just that I felt that I could maybe do more. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you can relate. Um, Big time. You really want to take advantage of every opportunity in life once 100%. you've been faced with your own mortality. And yeah. so it, sometimes it's a yeah. problem because I want to do everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's been really good it's definitely lit a fire under me um and i'm able to chase after things that i never would have prior to yeah no kidding what was that what was the recovery process like i'm actually curious because i mean speaking for myself a lot of people just think you know like you're you're finished your treatment you're good you know you're going back to work you're feeling confident what was the recovery process like for you like how did that how long did that take did it take you longer than you expected you know yeah um so yeah, as far as you know, physical recovery goes, um, your eye is quite damaged after having radiation. So yeah. it couldn't, it wasn't opening. I couldn't really see. It was almost like you had to learn how to see again and your other eye is trying to compensate for what your other eye can't see or your mm-hmm. cancer eye, I'll call it, can't see. Um, so that took, if I look back at photos, it probably took a good year for my eye to not look squinty, I'll right. say. Um, and I think mentally, as far as recovery goes, in the beginning, probably the first three months, I was like, yeah, I've beat this thing. I feel really good. Um, and then things kind of come, I don't want to say they come crashing down. That's quite dramatic. But it's almost like you, you go back to, is it going to happen again? Can I handle another diagnosis? Can I handle, you know, what if this metastasizes? Um, 50% of people that end up with this cancer have metastasis within five years. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I had a very promising biopsy result. My chances of it metastasizing are 2%. Um, okay. They call it a class 1A. So that was great, great news. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I still, I still think every three months, like I said, mm. I have that reminder every three months that I go in and I, I see my oncologist. And at that time he could say, okay, the tumor in your eye has grown again. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, when scan time comes up and I have to do my blood work and my ultrasounds and my, um, my CT scans, 
you know, it, it could be, hey, your tumor's back. So you always kind of live with that fear or, you know, you've got a tumor elsewhere. You always kind of live with that fear that it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I also live with this, you know, am I making decisions now that I'm going to regret? Uh, is this really the best life that I could be living? Mm-hmm. You know, should I be living here? Is this the right job for me? Should I maybe, maybe get that degree I've been thinking about doing? Am I too old for that degree that I'm thinking about doing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I strive yeah. for excellence a lot more than I ever used to. And it's, always, it's a very trying battle in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, Alex, you had a few questions here. I don't know if there's any that uh, you really wanted to ask. I saw interesting questions there. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, I'm just more curious in general, like, what's the day-to-day like up in Northern Canada for you? Like, it's just so different, so rare. I mean, before I do get to that question, just for everyone listening, the interesting thing is, we have this map for our Young Adult Cancer Canada with all the people from different parts of the country. And Ashley, you're like the one that's just at the top of that list, which is just hilarious. But I'm actually really curious to see like, what's the day-to-day like for you? You obviously love it up there. So how do you find it? Uh, yeah. So in the beginning, it was, it was very different uh, because I moved from Nova Scotia where I could drive to a Walmart or Tim Hortons, or if I saw something I wanted, I could have it. Um, here we have three restaurants um one would be the kfc in the north mart our grocery store (laughs) um so you know if you want sushi you can't have sushi you got to make sushi yeah Yeah. or if you want you know a fancy pastry you've got to learn how to make a nice cake because we don't have a baker in town Mm, um i don't have a yoga class to go to you know there are lots of things that i don't have but what i do have uh yeah i've got wonderful friends and we do really fun things together. So we'll have, uh, you know, charcuterie nights on Wednesdays after fire practice. Mm. Um, yeah, I joined the fire department for something fun to do as well. Nice. It's something I never, ever would have done, uh, you know, had I not a had cancer. Because uh, now I think I'm a badass that can do anything. Yeah, and uh, B, you know, it's, it keeps me entertained. Um, it's something to do, something challenging. Um, yeah, it's cold today. It's March and uh, yeah, nearing the end of March and it's still minus 31 outside. Wow. Uh, neat thing is that the sun is, is working towards staying up for 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So the sun's not really setting until about 10 o'clock at night now. Right. Wow. Uh, so I'm enjoying the fact that I'm in self-isolation uh, with the sun being where it is. I mean, yeah. it could be a lot yeah. worse. It could be like December when the sun doesn't come up at all. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That would be um, rough. But, yeah, Jeez. yeah. So wow. life is, yeah, life is different, but it's not too different. It's really not mm. as different as I thought it was going to be. I know learning in social studies class about, you know, the remote Arctic tundra and just being scared of it. And, yeah. you know, now I'll, I'll go out on the land, as they say. Uh, and my job is so great. I get to travel to all of the remote communities, more remote than I am, uh, way up in the, in the, you know, those islands in the Arctic Ocean. Yeah. And even there, there's such an amazing sense of community and there's mm-hmm. always something happening. So, it, you know, it might be a community feast or a sewing circle or, you know, something to keep people entertained and together. So it's, wow. it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, amazing. thank you so much for sharing all of this. This is yeah. a great chat. Um, <laughs> with, is there anything that you wanted to add before we kind of close off? No, I don't think so. Any other questions for me? <laughs> Lastly, I actually had one more. 
Um, sure. You obviously speak about like just going back to, to your living area and everything. I mean, you spoke about how when you were younger and you're going through social studies, you get like, you know, this paranoia, this thought of like this Arctic tundra. You know, and I think a lot of people share that sentiment. Is there any like stereotypes about up north that you think are like you can debunk or that are like unrealistic that you want to sort of share that are more of a positive, like leave it in a positive light, if that makes any sense? Yeah, well, I mean, nobody's really living in igloos. Yeah. <laughs> <Say> that. <laughs> There's one. Um, oh, gosh. The other thing, too, I guess the thing that um, has become really important to me uh, is the idea of living off the land and the people that are fishing and hunting and, and truly providing for their families. Uh, you know, I wear my seal skin gloves with pride, knowing that that whole animal was used to feed a family yeah. and to make a craft to be able to support a family. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that I think before you judge, uh, you know, things like the seal hunt and things like that, that uh, you take into consideration the people that make it their livelihood. Fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. totally fair. Well, yeah, look, Ashley, like I said, speaking for the both of us and Gabrielle already sh uh, shared that, like, thank you for coming on. It's been such an interesting conversation. Thanks for having uh, me. Oh, absolutely. And so today we have uh, Ashley on from our Yaktivist community and someone who shared a little bit about her diagnosis and a little bit of a unique situation in the fact that it's about one in possibly a million, the fact of being diagnosed with ocular melanoma and the fact that she shared her treatment and travel scheduling and all of the things like that. And living up in uh, in the Northwest Territory. So super, super exciting stuff. And thank you for having us on. Thank you. So this does end episode 129, learning from our storytellers or chat with Ashley. A big thank you to you, our listeners. You continue to show up as we grow and we love you for that. Um, before you go, just a quick reminder, if you have any questions or suggestions or comments, or if you simply want to share your story with us, please do reach out through Soar Above Cancer, uh, the website, as well as our social media platforms, which are linked in the show notes. Many smiles to you and see you next week. Bye.